0: Bibles and turning to Psalm uh, 67, Psalm 67, and uh, this morning I'm going to be asking the question, uh, why are we so blessed? Uh, this picture up here, it, that's actually from my hometown. I don't think that building's there anymore. Uh, it was about to fall in at the time, but uh, there's that sign that said, welcome to Maysville, drink Coca-Cola. Interesting, I found that Picture online, interesting thing. I had to crop it out because at the bottom there was crime scene tape, and, and I don't know what that was all about. The, the only thing I can figure: someone who drinks Pepsi stopped, and we don't take kindly that kind of wildness where I grew up. Uh, but um, you know, I grew up the way I grew up. You know, I, I look back, and at the time, I especially felt you know I was blessed. Um, I was born in uh, Athens, Georgia. Uh, less than two miles from the University of Georgia campus. In foresh- if it was my life was a book, that's foreshadowing, and um, I uh, grew up in that area. I we started out in a rental house out in the middle of the country, and then moved to to Maysville. And uh, Maysville was a place where uh, I was related to just about most of the people there. Although some of them didn't talk about that, and we didn't talk about it either, uh, but. Uh, I can tell you, I can take you to that town, I can show you where my great-grandfather's uh, barber shop was, I can show you where my great-uncle had a, had, a, had a store, I can show you where everyone, my relatives lived, the different places they lived. Um, when I, we would go up into the mountains of northeast Georgia, my grandmother convinced me, and it was probably true, I was related to about half the people in the north Georgia mountains. Uh, had a My great-great-great-grandfather had 16 children, and they all had about eight apiece, so that kind of explained that. Um, And I I just grew up there. I enjoyed growing up there. Uh, This town was right on the Jackson-Banks County line, and growing up, my way of thinking was if you weren't from Jackson County or Banks County, you were just odd. You know, uh, the phrase we used is "you were a Yankee." and It didn't matter what other part of Georgia you were from. You know, I mean, we tolerated the people in Hall County. We lo- we, we liked Madison County being there because it gave us someone to look down on. But uh, you know, that was just it was just a bubble I grew up in, a- and I enjoyed that. I liked that. It was, I liked that sense of belonging. Uh, And I felt like I was blessed. And looking back, I can say I feel like I was blessed in the way I grew up and where I grew up. Uh, But, you know, I didn't really understand what all those blessings were about. And there's a point in my life, looking back, if I had known where God was going to take me, I would have probably reacted a little bit differently than I did at the time. When I was a student at uh, Georgia... University of Georgia. I was riding on a bus, and I was going uh, to the main library, and I was just a freshman then, so I couldn't quite remember where it was, but I knew if I could get to a certain point, I could find it. So I got on one of the campus buses and was going along uh, the edge of campus, and um, as I was sitting there on the bus, I was listening to the other people, and there was this group of guys at the back, who were obviously from somewhere else, and by somewhere else I don't mean Fulton County, they were from somewhere else, and and they were talking a different language, and uh, there was uh, these two young women, and they were in the burkas, and they were talking their language, and I realized there wasn't anyone on the bus speaking English. And this was less than two miles from where I was born. This was coming into my world. So, what did I do? Next stop, I got off. Uh, Because I was just uncomfortable and it was making me nervous. And uh, if I had known I would be places that I didn't even know existed at that time, I think I would have reacted a bit differently. Now, sometimes we spend so much time on the specifics of God's will for us. You know, like when I was a freshman, it was okay. Uh, I, I was pretty sure what my career was going to be. I was going to be a journalist. I was going to be a political journalist. And Glad I didn't wind up in that. <laughs> uh but that was what I was going to do. All I, figured, all I thought I had to figure out was, okay, who was I going to date and who was I going to marry? And, you know, that, that all worked out. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at, at that time, I was just so focused on the specifics. I'd just gotten in church and was just trying to figure some things out. And... Uh, I wasn't thinking big picture. I wasn't thinking that God had this overarching purpose for my life and really for your lives as well. See, God blesses us for a reason, and that's what this psalm is about. It talks about, is a prayer for blessing, but more than that, it's a prayer that the reasons God blesses us are fulfilled. So let me take a, let me read this. Psalm chapter 67 It's a very short psalm. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now this is a psalm that was probably sung right around the harvest time as a part of their worship. And if you look at it in its structure, it's a special form of ancient Near Eastern poetry. And I won't Try to say the big word because I can't pronounce it very well. And it comes out sounding odd and it comes out sounding like something I don't want to say. But um, now it, it has this form to it where these ideas and these concepts are repeated. And the way it works is there's a concept repeated at the beginning and then again at the end. Then another concept, then another one, and then somewhere in the middle there is. One thing that's said, and that's the main idea. So it was a way of showing through the poetry, this is the main thing you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to notice. And in this poem, in this psalm, we find three things, or four things, two of them go together, but we find a prayer and a purpose for blessing. We find resulting praise from Blessing. We find God's plan fulfilled through our blessing. Uh, Verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 7 are ideas that go together where he says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Then down to verse 6, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, this, uh, this prayer, this psalm, begins with the words, uh, May God be gracious to us and bless us. And it calls to mind the Levitical blessing that's found in uh, Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 and 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Uh, the, the, uh, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace it calls to mind this blessing that they would all have known, that they all would have heard. And then it goes right into what is that blessing all about? What is God blessing you for? Uh, This was an agricultural society. Uh, For them, the harvest was a matter of life and death. And God's blessings were not so much a matter of just prosperity. They were a matter of survival for them. But they also were a matter of pointing them and enabling them to fulfill God's purpose for them. Verse 7 hints at Israel's mission. Let all the ends of the earth fear him, that all peoples of the earth may know him. The mission of Israel, when God called them out of Egypt and he gave them the law and he gave them all, the land. It was to be a people set apart for Him. A people that were to live a distinct and holy life. People who were to, in following God's law, following God's will, would show the nations how great and how wise and how awesome God is. And would, in that way, draw the nations to God. See, they had just an incredible system. When you get into the Old Testament, you see how it all worked together. Uh, they They had a system of land and ownership that ensured that no family would ever be permanently destitute and impoverished. They had ways of doing things and relating to one another that made them distinct and different from all other peoples around them. And they were to stand out and fulfill that purpose. Sadly, they did not. And there was exile and all the things that fall with that. But that mission that they had was the reason God blessed them. And if we are blessed today, and I know, you know with the current climate in our country, you know, we, a lot of people overlook that, and perhaps even we at times, I mean, we got a uh, pandemic, we've got unemployment at incredibly high rates, we have riots, we have protests, we have all sorts of uh, problems. There's abortion, there's injustice, there's just all these things, and we think, well, things, things are worse than they've ever been. Perhaps, I don't know. haven't been around that long. But I can tell you, We still got it a lot better than most of the world. I mean, if you have a vehicle, if you have reliable transportation, if you have an opportunity to better yourself in any way, you are better off than 98% of the world. God blesses us, not for our sakes, but for the sakes of those who don't know him. He blesses us that his way may be known in the earth, that his saving power may be known among the nations. God blesses us for the same reason he blessed Abraham. Remember when he blessed Abraham? He says, I will bless you and you will what? Be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Too much of our lives is sort of, we're sort of just sitting there trying to soak in the blessing God, give me more. God, do this for me. God, provide for me. God, take care of me, me, me with little thought for the fact that God wants us to be a blessing to others. God wants us to, be, to use our blessings to make him known in Milton and in Santa Rosa County and in the Panhandle and in the Southeast and across our country and around the world. So, a question we need to ask ourselves is Are we using God's blessing for our purpose or for His? Verse 3 describes, verse 3 and 5, actually, both say the same thing, but they go together. They describe the praise that God wants from all the peoples. He says, Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. And that's repeated in verse 5. He wants all peoples to praise him. Now, for right now, let's keep all people just right here in Milton. Now, y'all know me. I'm going to get to the nations later. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to pass up that opportunity. But let's just think about Milton for a moment. In Milton, it's estimated that there are a little over 10,000 people living here. Um... If you add it up, I guarantee if you add it up, everyone who is attending a worship service in person today or watching it online in Milton, you're not going to come anywhere near 10,000. Another interesting thing about our town is that since 2010, the population of Milton has increased from about 19 to 20%. That means one out of every five people who live here aren't from here. They came from somewhere else. Now, we, when I came here first time in 2011, I thought, I'm in the last remaining part of the Bible Belt. Walked into a business Christian music's playing, Bible verses on all the walls. Uh, every, Every, you know, everyone's, you ask someone how they're doing, I'm blessed. How much has changed in just nine years? We live in a culture that is rapidly and increasingly becoming what is called post-Christian. We're not even post-modern anymore. We're postmodern. If things were relative when they were post-modern, they, they, they're just chaos now. And the question is, what are we going to do to reach them? You see, it used to be that when you, would go, when, you, when you would go and do evangelism, when you'd go and knock on doors, everyone you talked to had a basic understanding of what Christianity was. I guarantee you in this town it was this way. You could knock on the door. They knew a, what a Bible was. They knew who Jesus was. They knew that he died on the cross. If, if you looked at it on a scale, with zero being a new believer, they were just sort of like negative one, negative two. All you had to do was present the gospel, and they had enough understanding and enough grasp that they could make a decision. Nowadays, in the United States, people are more like negative 8 to negative 10. One of the things I've been wanting to work on is for new believers who come into our church, just the basic summary of what the Bible says, because I've had some of them say, I, did, I didn't know that about Noah. I didn't know that was what happened. I didn't understand that. Because they have none of that foundation that so many of us grew up with. I didn't even grow up in church. And I knew all that stuff. What's one of the most incredible things to me was when I lived in a Muslim country, I had an easier time entering into a conversation about the gospel with a Muslim than I have with the average American here today. And sometimes the Muslim was less hostile. See, it's no longer, we're no longer in a situation where we can throw the doors open saying we're having revival meeting and everyone show up. Because honestly, we're not the most entertaining show in town. And we don't want to be. If we're going to win the world today, if we're going to win people to Christ, we've got to get over some of our notions. One is, as I look at the way Christians relate to the world today, it seems like we're trying to win an argument not win hearts. People need Christ. They don't need us. They don't need our perspective. They need Him. If their thinking is messed up, we can straighten that out as we disciple them. But what they need is the gospel. And we reach them by having relationships with them and showing hospitality to them. Today it seems like everyone is in attack mode. There's someone who thinks different from me. <laughs> I knew that University of Georgia education was going to pay off. (laughs) We need to back down the tone. We need to live in a mode where we demonstrate Christ's love. See, Everyone here in this room, everyone who is out there not giving a thought to what's going on in this room, Everyone is created in the image of God. And that gives them inherent worth, and that gives them dignity. That's why abortion is wrong. That's why racism is wrong. Because everyone has the image of God. And we need to approach everyone with that level of respect and dignity and love that God has because they have his image. And we need to show, we need to also understand everyone is someone for whom Jesus died. See, I I have many five-point Calvinist friends. Have a lot. Not sure where they all came from, but I have a lot of them. And my biggest point of difference with them, my biggest point of difference is their belief that Christ only died for the elect. More than anything else I may disagree with them about, that's my biggest one. Christ died for everyone. And that love with which he died is the love which we need to express to everyone, and it's the good news we need to share with everyone. See, ultimately, God, through blessing us, will bless others, and he will see his plan fulfilled. Verse 4, this is the main point in the structure. This verse right here. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples of, with equity and guide the nations upon earth. God created people for a relationship with him. God created people to love him, and to worship and to fellowship with him. Someone wrote these words, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their face before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal in missions. If you do not have a heart for seeing people one to Christ, if you do not have a heart to see the nations one to Christ, if you don't have a heart for missions, it's because your worship of God is too weak. You don't know how big he is or how great he is or how worthy he is to be worshiped by in, every, in the language of every tribe and nation. The story of Scripture is one of creation. It is one where man sinned against God and fell. It is one where God is doing all he can to redeem fallen man. And is one where someday he will restore this earth and a new heaven and a new earth. And we will have fellowship with him. And in his presence, there will be people from every tongue, nation, tribe, people, and language. It says in Revelation 21 of the New Jerusalem... It does say that it is a city with walls, with 12 gates. Guess what? They're open. Guess what? The treasures of the nations are what are going through. God created all these cultures and all these languages. I was wondering as I was sitting there watching the video to begin with of the prayer walk part of it you know where the, the guys going down the street that we're going to do the pr- uh, virtual prayer walk on and there was these guys walking by and they were big burly guys dark complexion big beards what were you thinking because I know what my initial reaction was I went on the other side of the street but you know something From their culture, from their people, that language is going to be heard in heaven. The things of their culture that are beautiful and glorify God are going to be present in the new Jerusalem. Same for us. See, all of this was created for God's glory. It's just that some people don't know that yet. And we have been blessed with the gospel, with a relationship with God, so that we can go and let others know and tell them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that your love is not just limited to us, but that it's for everyone in this world. Help us to go forth from here, ready to share the good news with the people around us. Here in Milton, wherever we go, wherever they're from, open our hearts and our minds to what you want to do through us. For the reasons you've blessed us with the relationship with you, help us to be a blessing with to others. Thank you for being here today. If you have a decision you need to make, there's a yellow card in front of you. Take time to fill that out and drop it in one of the boxes as you leave. Um, As you you go, you also, if you have your giving with you, you can place that in that box as well. Uh, Thank you for being here. Uh, Gary's going to come and close us in prayer now. Father God, as we have worshiped, we have felt your countenance smile upon us. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and bring you immeasurable joy, amen.